podcast one production. Created for expectant parents, new mums, new grandparents, or women thinking about becoming pregnant. This series guides you through the highs and lows of pregnancy, giving birth, and the complexities of parenting. Welcome to Birth, Baby, and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin. Kath Curtin, midwife Kath. Today we're going to talk about the battle between breastfed and formula fed, and it's, it's and it's a battle. It, it, it kind it of is. is, right? It's become a battle. Why? Yeah. What's the deal? Well. You know, we've been told for a long, long time that breast is best, and we know that. We've got the message, and it's fabulous. Breast is best. And I breastfed for a long time that breastfeeding is best for mother and child. Is that because colostrum? Because of what is that? Just everything for gut health, for the baby, for immunology. Everything that the that can be given to the baby is given in breast milk. And it's fabulous. And it's really wonderful to breastfeed. And it's sometimes you, you know, you get criticised if you if you don't breastfeed. And then if you breastfeed for a long time, you get criticised too. People think you're really weird if you breastfeed for a long time. So what's a long time? Well, three or four years is a long time. I know. Everyone thinks you're weird. I'm pulling a face. I, I know you are. I'm just like, oh. But it's, you know, it's not weird. Well, I don't think it's weird. And it's just that's what some women like to do. And we have to accept that, you know, if women don't want to breastfeed or want to give some formula, that's okay. And if women want to exclusively breastfeed and breastfeed for an extended time, whatever is their decision. It's not what a policy is, a hospital policy. And it's not what some midwives want, some maternal and child health want. It's about what the woman wants for her child, her family. And we as professionals are here to advise the, the correct things. The so, options. Not the options, but what's right for what's going on. So if the baby is breastfeeding and breastfeeding well and gaining weight and sleeping and happy, fabulous. Don't touch it. You know, it's fine. If a mum has to go back to work within six to ten weeks after the baby's born, you need to introduce a bottle. You have to, or else the baby will not take a bottle after about seven, six to seven weeks. I know women want to give the baby a bottle. I start them on um, day one, give them a little bit of uh, formula on day one. One bottle, it's fine. The baby will never refuse the breast, ever. They don't get nipple confusion. They just don't. They know what to do. They breastfeed, and but they will refuse a bottle. That's the only thing they will refuse if they're not given one consistently. Yeah. Look, I've had friends and I know everyone else has got friends and family or maybe even in their own circumstance they've gone through this you know this tumultuous debate in their heads or with family or with medical staff and it has always been I don't know it's always been that I feel guilty because I haven't been able to or I've just had to because I can't sleep there's problems with the child It, it is a very political and a lot of women feel like they're a bad mother if they don't breastfeed and they're not I mean I'm sure there are some bad mothers who hurt their babies. That's bad. But breastfeeding, if you if you don't feed your baby, that, you know, your baby has to be fed. Okay. It's rule number one. Well, we're going to talk about this in yep. depth. And we've got um, a, an amazing uh, guest today. Madeline Morris is a journalist and author of Guilt-Free Bottle Feeding. And she is a mother of two predominantly formula-fed daughters who are both extremely happy, healthy and smart. They are, and my uh, the subtitle of book is of my book is why your formula fed baby can be happy, healthy, and smart. And the reason that we titled it that is because the message that we get is 
if you feed your baby formula, she's going to be unhappy, not healthy and dumb. And that's just not true. Just it is absolutely yeah. not true. Where did that all start? Look, the history goes back to, um, you know, back in the 70s, um, 60s and 70s, some of the formula companies went into Africa and gave some formula and there was a lot of infant deaths. And so it became a shame thing that formula is really bad because it, it's just bad for the babies. That reflected back onto our communities here. Then became the, the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative. And that was really not to promote and push breastfeeding. It was actually to get the babies out of the nurseries that were sleeping there all night, bring them towards mum and next to mum overnight. But it was really about the dollars. And that's, and just to clarify, that's um, a WHO, World Health Organisation and UNICEF initiative, um, which is what hospitals around the world try and sign up to to show that they're breastfeeding friendly hospitals. That's right. But it's but it, it's not to push breastfeeding. It's not meant to make women feel bad about. It. That's that's the because I was working in it. I was in the hospitals when it started and it was to have the babies next to the mums more than than just in for a feed and out. Yeah. Well, I I think when it it is it is a WHO and, and UNICEF's um breastfeeding promotion uh, program. In Australia we don't have so many what they're called baby-friendly hospitals, and they implement these steps called the 10 Steps to Successful Breastfeeding. So in other countries like the UK, there's a lot more. Um, that was where I gave birth to my first baby. And just to, you know, if you want to sidestep down the down the BFI, BFI initiative. So when I um, gave birth to my baby in a, in a hospital in central London... I had had a breast reduction and a breast reduction is one of the biggest impediments to actually yep. uh, successfully breastfeeding, right? Because that, they cut through your plumbing and it's, it's pretty well known. But prior to giving birth, I interacted with about 10 different midwives. Every single one of them, I said to them, I've had a breast reduction. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and breastfeed and they but I, I don't know how it's going to go. Not one single one of them said to me, okay, so look, I think that that's going to be a potential impediment to your breastfeeding. Um, let's look at how we can get your baby her best nutrition and make sure that she's not starving whilst you're trying to, to breastfeed. And there was absolutely zero support for me. All it was was they wanted to tick a box and say, yep, breastfeeding. And so consequently, when my baby was born, I uh, tried to exclusively breastfeed for six days. She lost 13% of her body weight and she was crying all night, sleeping all day because she was starving. Mm. And when I went that first night in hospital to go and say, look, I think my baby's really hungry. I need a little bit of formula. I had to sign a form saying your baby is at greater risk of developing diseases. Your baby may not successfully breastfeed just to get one little bottle of formula. And it's absolutely outrageous. It's outrageous. And it still happens today that parents have to sign a form. Now, Going back to what you're saying about um, breast reduction or enhancement, again, I've been around long enough to have seen the first reductions and enhancements going on in the community. I have never, ever seen one woman breastfeed successfully, exclusively with either operation. Unfortunately, they're told at time of surgery that they will. And I always say to them, you, will, you, cannot, you might be able to cope in hospital, 
but you won't cope long-term. As the baby requires more, you will not be able to keep up. And, and that's it, that's what happened to my with my second baby. So I have a 10-month-old. I've got a six-year-old and I've got a 10-month-old. And this time I went in armed with my knowledge and I now know what to do mm. because I knew that in, it's, in our book we had always said breast milk is optimal. Breastfeeding may not be best for a family, particularly if you're unable to supply the correct amount of breast milk. So this time, straight in when I went had my baby, I said to the midwives, we're going to be mixed feeding from the get-go. I had hand-expressed colostrum under the advice and supervision of medical professionals, um, which does need to be done with the supervision of medical professionals. Yes, you need to have that, that collaboration. You need to have that collaboration. You need to get sign-off from your midwife, from your obstetrician, because it can theoretically in, uh, induce labour. So you just got to do it in a very specific way. So do that under medical advice, okay? But that meant that I had a store of colostrum for my baby. So in her first couple of days, she just got syringed. I breastfed her and I syringed colostrum into her mouth so that she wasn't starving in those first few days. And then after that, we introduced formula and we happily mixed fed for three months. And that's the thing that I think gets missed in this whole thing. It doesn't have to be either or. No. It, you can do it both, it's, but, it's but, but you need to go in with a plan and, and, and the plan needs to be tailored to your specific circumstances as a woman. The great thing about you is you've got a voice and you're strong. I would be too, and I am. What I worry about is, and what I want this for um, podcast to help, is, uh, so many women are really intimidated by medical staff. It's, it's extremely, it's so, hard. It's, so, it's so intimidating because you go in there and as you say, you want to do the best yeah. for your baby. And the message that we're told everywhere is breast is best, breast is best. That, of course, breast milk is... We know that. We We've know that, the of, of course. Yeah. And, and, and I would <laughs> never not. say formula is better or even equal to. It's just it's not. not. No. But formula is a great substitute. It's food made for babies. It's food made for yeah. babies. It's a great substitute. If you can't fully breastfeed your baby... What's the option? The option is formula. And but the option is the starving, crying, sick correct, baby. Correct. There's no option, ladies. You've got to feed your baby. So on to your point of, of how you actually deal yeah. with medical staff in that situation. Yep. Of course, I would say read my book, Guilt yep. Free Bottle Feeding, Why Your Formula Fed Baby Can Be Happy, Healthy and Smart. It's right. filled with lots of information in there which basically s- explains to you, doesn't just pat you on the head and say, you'll be fine. It explains to you goes through all of the scientific really good. scientific yeah, evidence which actually says here are the studies here what here's what they actually say about the benefits of breast milk and breastfeeding as opposed to what we're told they say and yeah. the message in there is look breast milk is best but actually honestly in Australia and this is what the evidence shows us if your baby is full birth weight is born healthy and into a happy healthy loving home the differences in outcome for breastfed and bottle-fed babies really are marginal. Marginal, absolutely just... marginal. So just so just further to uh, how you deal with those with the medical yeah. staff. So so read the book, arm yourself with some knowledge, go in with a plan, know what you want to do, learn your words, ladies, learn, learn your learn words. your words, what? and you can put your hand up and you can say, I would like to breastfeed. My aim is to exclusively breastfeed, but if my baby is dropping below. Seven, ten percent of her birth weight. I want to introduce formula, or you can say 
my intention is that I'm going to go back to work in six weeks. Yeah. So I want to give my baby the breast milk that I can while while we're there. But I, you know, we need to introduce a bottle. Or guess what? You can also say I don't, I don't want to breastfeed. A lot of people don't want to do it. It's Some women a don't want to breastfeed. B cannot breastfeed. Let me say there are so many women out there. They literally pour colostrum, but they're. It's a small amount of women, small amount of women. So back to your, your expressing colostrum, I just want to note that not a lot of women will be able to, okay? So some women have it there and they will have a lot, but there's, not, there's, there's just not a lot of women that can. So I have a concern about expressing, A, if you keep pumping and pumping and pumping or expressing and expressing, you actually can stimulate labour. And also women don't know what to do and they end up coming in with sore nipples before they've even had a baby. So, but do, anyway, it, well, so do it with the advice of a yeah, nipple. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got to so, say, with all, with all of this though, you know, we talked about the, you know, the confidence of somebody like you, Kath. I mean, you have been in the medical industry for like you know, 42 years. You've delivered over 10,000 babies. For me or any of us who've never had children to kind of rock on up and just say, actually, this is what I want to do. Where you, what are the questions we need to be asking? Well, I love and, that. And, and, and when do we yes. ask the questions? So in my book, the first six weeks, I got into a lot of trouble because I promote breastfeeding, but I promote healthy mothers. I look after the mother because like I think if the mother's fine, you know what? Everyone's fine. The kids are fine. Your partners are fine. Your so mum and dads important. are fine. Everyone's fine. You look after mum at all level. So it's about... The first day or so, if you're feeding the baby, they're very sleepy. But the second night after the baby's born, it's just, you can walk around hospitals and babies are screaming. Yep. And my the, the ladies that I look after who I say, okay, tonight, if you want to, if the baby's screaming, give a formula, sign the form, forget about it. It's your baby. It's your rules. It's just, it's not rat sack. It's actually food for your baby. Who's in charge of the, the forms, though, to the, say that, to meet that, the hospital? That Yeah, that, that form is if your hospital is a what's called a baby-friendly hospital, which mm. means that it has implemented the guidelines set by the World Health Organization and UNICEF to get baby-friendly uh, uh, baby status. And, I mean, look, it, it's, it's quite... Probably most women won't, won't need to know this, but it is worth knowing if the hospital that you deliver in is actually a baby-friendly hospital because that means that there is going to be a lot more pressure, um, hopefully a lot more support, which is the idea of the yes, initiative. The, in, the idea exactly. of the initiative is to, is to give you a lot more support. And if that's there, that is absolutely fantastic because the other thing to say, Kath, is that establishing breastfeeding, for some women, it's... Six weeks. Super easy, but, but for other, other people, work. it is hard work. It's and every woman, it's hard work. And you do need help. Yep, and you, you and, do. You, and, and so make make the most of all of that help exactly. that, that you've got. Go to the breastfeeding clinics. Speak to people before and after. Most councils have um, breastfeeding counsellors who will come to your house. I had a breastfeeding counsellor come to my house when I was uh, supplementing with a um, feeding tube. With a feeding tube, because which yeah. is which is a thing that you can do if you if you mix feeding. Um, and and she was fantastic. Mm. And I have to say that for, in my experience, when I delivered my second baby, it was totally different from my first mm. experience where I had to sign this bloody form. I had zero support breastfeeding, yeah. zero support bottle feeding. Mm. This time I went in, I was clear about what I wanted to mm. do, and the midwives were fantastic. So going back a step, 
after you've had the baby, you're excited, you're happy, you're sore, you're exhausted, exhausted, <laughs> you're overwhelmed, you're sleep deprived already, and you're wired, aren't you? You're yeah. like you're really, oh, really yeah. wired. Yeah, yeah. And so when the baby comes in, and or when, when you have the the baby's ready to feed, and you put it on the breast, and you think, oh, that's great. And seriously, once once you get some support in breastfeeding, it becomes bloody horrific. Sorry, but- because it just. What some midwives do, and I'm not saying everyone, but what I see now in hospitals is that what they do is they strip babies, they unwrap them, and they undress them. Number one, wrong. You do not undress and, and keep a baby cold to breastfeed. They do. They need to be warm and safe and wrapped. Do people do that to have the skin-on-skin contact? No, it's about keeping them awake. So if they're awake, they will feed. Now, it gets to the point when midwives will tell new mothers that you have to blow on the baby's face to wake it up. Some hospitals, I've seen midwives and patients have told me that they've put ice blocks on the baby's head. I've oh, done that. Did you? To, to, to wake your baby up to feed. It's, yeah. it's just not good. This is about love. Now, we're not talking about sick babies. We're talking about live, healthy, well babies. They can go four, five, six hours in the early days without a feed. It's fine. Let them wake up and then they suck vigorously. You don't need to do anything hard that you feel in your gut that's harmful to your baby, like unwrapping, making them cold, putting ice blocks on them, blowing in their face, flicking them, flicking their toenails, flicking their feet, flicking their hands. This is about love. This is about what you're giving to your baby. But you, Madeline, you, you were comfortable doing that at the time? Look, I, I did that with my first baby because that was what the midwives told me to do. Ah. Second baby, I, I have to say the um, we did do the, the all night long. So first night you have the baby, most people sleep because the baby's still sleeping sleepy. Then the next night I was up all night, baby on the boob, all night long trying to establish breastfeeding. And, it, and you know, you do need to say that it is supply and demand, right? You well, it to- takes, it does take a good six weeks. Yeah. Even women who have a good amount of breast milk, it takes six weeks to establish your breast milk. And all the mums out there who I've looked after who are listening today will put their hands up. Even the mums with lots and lots and lots of milk, I'll say, you have to work at this. This is the hardest six weeks you'll ever do. And I, and I think that this is where we do women a disservice because we say to them, breast is best. You've got to breastfeed. It's Fantasy. Best, it's best for your baby, fa- but we don't tell them. It'll take six weeks. It'll take six weeks and you won't sleep for those six weeks and your boobs will hurt. You know, we don't we don't arm women with knowledge nope. We ahead of going into we it. We arm people the, for labour. That's and, what we arm for. That's, that's, that's right. All. Yeah, you have great knowledge yep. about, about labour. The baby, not so much. And that's what we need to get a lot yep. better at doing, I think. Madeline, I talk a lot about fantasy and reality. And fantasy is that, you know, we come into labour and we just push a baby out and everything's going to be fine. And surrounded by flowers and yes. loving families. And, and, then, and-, yeah. um, and then the same with breastfeeding. The baby will just hop on and suck beautifully and then just go to sleep. And this, this is beautiful. We know, I know, we know that it just doesn't work like that. It might work like that for the first couple of feeds, but once the baby starts to wake up and the baby who has been fed 24-7 in utero starts to get hungry, what they're doing is when they're hungry, they're losing weight. And when they're losing weight, they're crying and they're saying, give me some food <laughs> in wah, 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 wah. So should we talk about options then for what you can actually do in those in those couple of Well, I think it's, what it's really important is what we can do is we need to say how you can ask for formula. 
how you can why it's okay and when it's okay. Mm. And and I would like to say that there is there is good evidence actually. Um, there's one particular study that was done which showed that rather that women who gave small amounts of formula in the first week of a baby's life, delivered in a very specific way, so delivered through a syringe as a top-up after breastfeeding, they, in that study, they went on to breastfeed longer and more successfully than the women who tried to exclusively breastfeed for that for that first week um, because it, it's, it can be super stressful. It's, it's super stressful. So doing it in a way, and this is not to say that every woman needs to do that, but if you if you want to top up, the, the evidence shows that, um, and I know this from my own experience with very low supply of breast milk, if you but a bottle's give, okay it, too. It, it is okay, but if you give if you give the boob and then if you give the bottle and there if there is so much more coming from the bottle, so if you're doing like both initially and there's so much more coming from the bottle, my own personal experience is that the baby will start to reject the breast because they know that the bottle is coming. But I don't. I'm not saying that. I'm not I saying. I know what you're saying. But but that is if you are having a, a very small coming amount coming from your breast and a lot coming from the bottle. So the, the, so the way to do it in what I would say is to initially start off, keep doing all of that breastfeeding, keep as trying to establish that supply, top up with um, either a syringe or a spoon for formula or express breast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what can I say? No, but well, but, the only thing then, is with but, a syringe. But, but, hang on. Yeah. The only thing with a syringe and formula, you've got to remember, not everyone's as is capable of doing that, sure. But but a, a, for bottle, everyone can give. They they can. But I just I just want to be fair to the huge amount of work which has been put into the research of establishing breastfeeding. Yeah, sure. and, and my own personal experience, which is that I actually had to in the first week of my second baby's life stop topping it with the bottle because she was she what she knew that she was getting so much more from that. So um, she started to reject the breast, and I did want to breastfeed. I yeah. wanted to. Yeah, I wanted. Of and so what I then moved to is a feeding tube, a supplemental nursing system, which you can yep, Google. They're fabulous. Yeah, yep. yep. Which is a little tube, which is. Uh, a very small plastic tube which you attach to your nipple. Yeah. And so when it you breast- runs down yeah. your neck. Yeah, it yeah. runs down your neck. You stick you some formula yep. or express breast yep. milk on that if that's what you have. And you put it on your uh, you tape it to your nipple and that way when the baby's breastfeeding, they are stimulating the breast, yep. stimulating supply. And getting and milk they're too. and they're also getting the milk as well. It sounds like um, I mean with even in, within this conversation, you know, there's it's like one person's experience and, and seven people's experience. It's so varied. I mean, you could do... You know, I know in my practice that all my mums breastfeed long-term and at the beginning I say to them, this is about long-term breastfeeding. It's not about breastfeeding versus bottle feeding. It's about long-term breastfeeding and if you need to supplement with some formula, so be it. Mm. Now, we've got one end of the spectrum where women who have got a huge amount of milk and they don't, they don't need to and they don't want to give any um, formula, fine. Then you're going down the track because... Everyone lactates differently. That's the biggest issue. Everyone Correct. lactates differently. And also every breast lactates differently. Yes. So I have I have five sisters and we all did it differently. So everyone, even in a family, it doesn't matter whether your mum breastfed or your sister's breastfed or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's how you you lactate. And it changes from baby to baby. You know, it can be really fabulous and it also can be soul-destroying, can't it? You know, it, like you really feel, oh, I'm not part of that gang. But you know what? You've got to have a healthy baby. It, and it's it can be parenting. the most affirming thing. For some women, it's the most affirming thing and it's the most beautiful part of motherhood yep. and that is awesome. For other women, it's 
help. So what's what, what are the reasons? I mean, are there any reasons why you, you might not have lactation capability or you've got there more are, than other? There are many, many reasons why you may not have optimal lactation. One is increased age. So women are having babies later and later. Mm-hmm. That's actually... Uh, a contraindication to successful breastfeeding. Not in all cases. No. You can be 43 Ex- and have exactly. a baby and it, and it works perfectly. And you can be 18 and not have any milk. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So that's one thing. Um, difficulties with fertility is another thing that can also, women um, who have dif- who have fertility problems, they can be less likely to successfully breastfeed. Is that hormonally related? I, I think, I look, I don't know the actual reasons mm. for I just that's what the studies say. So, yeah. so it, it, it is related, I would imagine, to, to, to hormones. Um, it can also be a weight thing. If you're overweight or if you're underweight, you can not be such a great breastfeeder. There's also a condition called insufficient glandular tissue, IGT, which is, there's hardly any research into it, which is really uh, unfortunate. But it just means that you basically, you don't have the glands. You don't have the breast tissue. So, and you can have perfectly small boobs and be a fantastic breastfeeder. You can have massive knockers and be a terrible breastfeeder. That, That is not an indication necessarily of how you're going to breastfeed. There are also mental impediments to, to breastfeeding. If you've had an eating disorder, um, that can be it can be very confronting to have someone on your breast. If you have, uh, if you're a survivor of sexual assault, that can also mm. be very confronting for women. So, you know, the the facts show that. that this is really complex. It is really, complex, really complex, and there's not enough, and and there is not nearly enough research done into why women don't breastfeed or aren't able to breastfeed following their wishes. So most women want to breastfeed and Mm. many of them, uh, not many, but a significant proportion don't meet their goals and we do not do enough research into why that is and until we understand why that is simply patting women on the head and saying you got to breastfeed is not the way uh, to go, not the way to no. go. Mm. did you want to talk about the stats yeah look well, i mean I, just to give an indication of, of australia so in in australia 96% of women uh, initiate breastfeeding in hospital which is one of the high uh, rates in the world by about four months, 39% are still exclusively breastfeeding. So that means most women haven't introduced food at that stage. So that means that 60% are using at least some formula and only 15% of mothers make it to the full six months exclusive mark. Now, to me, what that says is there are a lot of women who aren't doing what they're told to do, which is to breastfeed exclusively for six months. There are a myriad of reasons for that, all of which are completely yep. valid and yep. we and we need to be educating we need edu- to be supporting yep. women yep. about why they aren't bad mothers if they don't make it to that mark and also the basic nuts and bolts of how to prepare a bottle of how to do it safely of how to choose a formula mm. uh, you know those are things that are not taught mm. in antenatal classes not be- because there's this cone of silence around bottle feeding prior to birth as though if we stick our fingers in our ear and don't talk about it, it's never going to happen. And the statistics show that is absolutely not the case. The other thing is that, as Madeline said, women will go out and buy formula. There are formula-making machines these days that will go into hospitals. That's what's going to happen. They make the water warm enough and they actually add the formula. And women are going to take these into hospitals because there's so much anxiety and depression from this fear and the the women feeling that they're actually... Breaking the rules. That they're doing a bad job, that they're not good mothers. And this sits in the, on them for, for a long time. So to, to your point, Madeline, Kath, what, where, where do you buy formula? What is a good formula? What are you looking for? Or does it depend? Well, they have to reach a, a 
particular standard in Australia, they're fine. So any formula is good, except there are different types of formulas. So you need to speak to your maternal and child health nurse, midwife or paediatrician or general practitioner about what you're doing. And, and you don't just change formulas. I had a lady come in to see me once and she said, oh, the baby's a bit upset. I gave the baby some goat's milk. I'm like, okay, why? And she said, because the lady down the road told me. It's not someone said, I hear that a lot. Someone said you should do this. You don't get advice from girlfriends, ladies, unfortunately. You get advice from professionals. Well, and it's, it's maternal and child health nurses, midwives, doctors, obstetricians, you know, hospitals. Like, you get a good advice. If the hospital is using the formula, it's a good formula. So hospitals use, usually use two formulas these days. So they're the most common um, formulas used in the market. Um, making a formula, yeah, many times I've had people ring me at the night of um, their, their home and saying, how do I actually make it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So what's your experience? Okay, so yeah. look, here's the, here's the deal with formula, right? So they, the Australian government, the Food Standards Authority, sets a minimum um, requirement of all sorts of vitamins and minerals um, in formula. So... Every formula in Australia meets those minimum requirements. In addition to that, things which are marketed as gold or platinum have additional things in them, which can be uh, things which are added to aid digestion. Um, they can also be added amino acids, so um, polyunsaturated fatty acids for better brain development, which is uh, has been linked to better brain development of babies. So there is a very wide choice. There are some organic formulas if you want to go down the organic route. Um, most formulas aren't organic and mm-hmm. formulas which aren't organic don't have these uh, polyunsaturated or omega-3 or, or 6 is how they commonly refer to acids added to them because of the way they're made. It mm-hmm. can't actually be organic so that's something to know. As a general rule, most formulas are, are cow's milk based and they have a ratio of whey and protein and that can affect digestion. What I would say at the risk of self-promoting, is we have a huge amount of information in our book about how to choose a formula, formula, about what the different additives in formula mean and about how to prepare a bottle. And there, the Australian government also has a website, um, which escapes me at the moment, but about with advice about how to, and, uh, how to prepare a bottle. All state-based health authorities will have a similar website. And just go to that. Just follow that advice. I'll, I'll have to confess, I've had to do this for you know, nieces and nephews. And you know the temperature, that wrist thing, the wrist test about babies how babies don't need a warm bottle. They, they, don't, they, they, don't, they just they don't. don't have. They can't drink a freezing cold bottle no. or a boiling hot bottle. No. You don't need the wrist thing. Room temperature. You don't is need fine. the room. T- you just need room temperature. You just need to think that you're holding it and it's fine. If you do the wrist thing, is that you hold your wrist out. You don't put the teat on your wrist. You actually hold it up and you put a few drops of milk on your wrist. If it's freezing cold, it's too cold. If it's boiling hot. It's bo- it's too hot. If it's just right, it's um it's perfect for I, the baby. I wish somebody had explained this to me because I have spent like just you know an ordinance amount of time at a sink going, is it too hot? <laughs> is it I don't know. Is this right? So if it if you don't feel the milk on your wrist, mm. it's it's perfect. Mm. Uh, I also go into how you make up a formula in my book because it's again it's something that it's 
Well, it's left out. We, as as midwives in the 70s, we used to teach women how to make up formulas. We used to teach um, in the antenatal classes how to make up a formula because it was just it was just a given. Also, are you talking from scratch, Kath? Are you doing yeah, yeah. Like, just like well years ago? I mean, I'm that old. We used to make up formulas with a mathematical formula. Oh, really? That's how old I am. And um, because it, we didn't have the the instant formulas now, we had to make them up with you know, a balance of, of water, sugar, formula, all that oh, sort of stuff. You? So we had to work it out. Have yeah. you done that? No, 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 no. Oh, she's no. not that old. Yeah, you just, you just, you, you, get, <laughs> no, you, get, the tin, you <laughs> get the tin and you add the, uh, well, add the powder. And in fact, while you say that, the, 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 the tin is an important thing. You don't have to live and die by the tin. It's a guide. It's uh, no, a guide. Not, not in terms of preparing the bottle, no, 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 but no. in terms okay. of the amount. Okay, let's say that again. You don't have to live and, live and die by the tin. You must go by how many scoops per bottle. That is important. You Very can't important. go one less scoop because you don't want the baby to put on weight and one more scoop because you want the baby to put on weight. You don't do that. Occasionally we can play with it, but that's our, us as professionals. But you don't only give a newborn baby 20 mils like you, you, because some babies can take 60 some babies can take 30 you just you have to respond to your baby if your baby's not asleep after a bottle it needs some more after any feeding if the baby is has a bottle of 20 mils and it's mouthing and looking around like it's, it's just looking for some food you need to give the baby more food you cannot overfeed a baby but you can underfeed a baby that's the tricky part isn't it to to know to learn to read those cues, but and that's and that's the new part, the part of being a new mother that you just got to learn. Exactly, really. you've got to, you've got to yeah. look at your baby, and you've got to say, "Is this baby asleep and calm, or not asleep and just looking around and calm?" If they're doing that, they're fine. Mm. If they're looking around and ah, looking around and searching and rooting around, they need more milk. And if they're crying, if they're a well, healthy baby, and they're newborn, they're crying, they're hungry. So you can't overfeed your baby. Nope. Because some people have got, you know, really you chubby, beautiful I, babies. I, but that's Look. not but that's not overfeeding a baby. No. That's a baby that puts on a lot of weight. Yeah. They all, all babies have a good different way of gaining weight. So it's like everyone in the community. I, yeah. I would just say that there is a way that you can overfeed a baby and that's if you force a baby to finish the bottle, right? Oh, yeah, but but that's that's not overfeeding. Well, well I, I, I would say that you need to respond to you. So, as with a newborn baby, if a baby is pulling away and you're and you are bottle feeding or breastfeeding, if a baby is pulling away, that means they're done. And that and that. Well, yeah, Kathy, yeah, you're, you're, I know, you're I know. Expert, look, look, but, you, you say what you yeah. say because it's just it's. Sometimes they pull away for some reason and they still need to be fed. Right. It's about how they are once you've finished feeding. So if they've if you finish feeding them and they've had. 20 mils or 50 mils or whatever it is, or 100 mils, whatever it is, as long as they're settled and calm. Sure. Because what happens is that I get many calls of, of women saying, I fed my baby, I gave it a certain amount of food, milk, and then I put it in the in the bassinet. It doesn't like the bassinet. Well, the babies aren't that intelligent yet. They don't understand that they don't like the bassinet because it wasn't from wherever. Wherever. They are very primitive beings. They just want to be fed. They they are they're hardwired to live, and to live, they have to feel satisfied to that they've got enough food. If they're not satisfied, they're going to cry. It's really primitive stuff. I say to so many people, go back to their to your villages, go back to you, to, to Africa. Look at how we feed our babies. When you're not going to overfeed a baby or make a baby obese by giving it milk. Of course, you don't. You certainly don't force a baby. If they're done, they're done. 
you know, and if they're... How do you even force feed a baby? Well, you can you can sort of keep it in there. You keep the bottle in there. If you're talking... and You can also um, force feed a breastfed baby by keeping it on the breast, which, oh, right. which people... Is another myth that people say you can't overfeed it. You can. And, but you can if you keep it in there and the baby's trying to come off and you're keeping the yeah. bottle in there, um, that is not listening to your baby's cues and your baby is the expert in the amount of food they need. And yeah. you, are, you are following You have to cues. respond. Exactly. Yeah. Look Which at what the baby. Know yep. no, your baby. Exactly. Who and knew this was so complicated? But you know what? It's look, No one talks about it, though, <laughs> no, do it, they? It's it, not, it, this is why conversations need to be had yeah. in the community. Because yeah. I see really a lot of women suffering because they feel guilty. My, my sort of approach is, okay, antenatal, this is how I work. You know, I'm upfront about it. If your baby needs some food, fine. I also introduce a bottle for the dads to do the feeding after 10 o'clock at night. Which is a godsend it's, for mums. And it's a godsend for everyone, isn't it? It's mm. a win-win-win, I mm. call it. The mm. win for mother, win for dad. and Having win that bonding. Beautiful. The guys love it all. The partners love it. Whoever's the, the support person, they love the um, that that connection. Can I just pick up on the bonding word which you've just said, Brooke, which is one of the things that really upsets me about how we promote breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is promoted as being a great way to bond with your baby. It is a great way to bond with your baby. Bottle feeding is also a great way to bond with your baby. It, they, they, the evidence and the evidence shows, which we look at in the book, what about adopted babies and exactly, exactly, <laughs> or same-sex babies. Same se- yeah. it, it is a beautiful way feeding your baby, spending that time with your baby. It doesn't matter whether they're on the boob or on the bottle. And this is, and the evidence shows that there have been, a, unfortunately, only a handful of studies into bonding or maternal uh, and child attachment. Um, but the evidence shows. It has no difference whether a baby no is bottle fed. So if you are, do not feel guilty. Do not think your baby is going to be less bonded to you, which I've heard horror stories yeah. of midwives saying to women, yeah. your baby will never love you because... Yep. Shocking. Because Out you bottle front. fed them. Well, what are the stories? Like, what are people's experiences? I've had stories of, of women who've, in hospital, uh, said that they using a bottle for whatever reason out of choice or out of necessity with support all support has been withdrawn at that point you know with the people who have women who women who have had women who yeah it's not every women and some and and i have to say some women midwives are fantastic absolutely and particularly i have to say the older ones who've been around the block a bit more and actually know the reality (laughs) (laughs) and i'm I'm kath from the block yeah (laughs) (laughs) and and some midwives are fantastic, but you know people who who have actually said your baby's never going to love you, your baby's never going to bond to you're you. You're not going to ever feed. You're not going to successfully feed. Yeah. Your baby will reject you. You won't make milk. Your milk will be off. It'll go. It'll dry up. It'll this. It'll that. It'll fear, 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 fear. So what they do is they sit there with painful, painful nipples that people come in and just express them without even asking. They put pumps on women on day one. I've seen blood come out of their nipples. Sorry, girls, hang on to your boobs. I've seen blood come out of nipples on day one, you do not pump your breast. The only time you put a pump on your breast or you express your breast milk is if you've got a sick baby or a premature baby. You really do not need to express your milk. You need to put the baby on the breast and get the colostrum. The baby is the best way to get the colostrum and then give it a top up of some um, some formula. It always needs to go to the breast. That's how you breastfeed longer. And, uh, you know, as I said earlier, all my mums, they know that they breastfeed longer even if they give a bottle. They still get shamed even if they have one, give the baby one bottle or their partner gives one bottle overnight. 
they go to the maternal and child health nurse and they do their mother's group and they sit around and, the, and some women go, oh, I'm not sleeping, I'm you know, only breastfeeding. And then I know one lady I spoke to yesterday, she said, I sat there and I said, my, my baby sleeping nine hours, um, it's breastfeeding, but she has one bottle of formula um, a night. Now, that little baby was, um, hello, Lucy, if you're listening to Honey Cat, um, <laughs> that um, baby was born about 2.5, 5, 2.6 kilos, and she needed to have a lot of formula to get her weight up. She's now six weeks and five kilos, and, you know, normally a, a normal baby would put on a kilo um, within six weeks after it's born. So she's done really well um, because I get the weight up quickly, and the weight once they've got their weight up, they feed better and they, they're more vigorous. They're doing beautifully, sleeping nine hours, breastfeeding all day, all night, well, once once a night, and then um, having one bottle of formula. And so how did you introduce that? Was it just the bottle of formula, or was she breastfeeding and then topping up after every feed initially? Or Topping how did you, up how after did you, every feed. Okay, I, and then you gradually weaned those top-ups Just off? respond to the baby, yep. what the baby needs. Because the, the breast... Because the milk it, it comes in, but in. also you've yeah. got to get the weight of the baby. You've got to get that. Yeah. I, I like the babies to be over three kilos. Once they're over 3.5 kilos, I relax. Then they just charge on weight. Yeah. And it's about it's about having them feeding and, and not sleeping four to five hours during the day and night. They need to be fed every two or three hours and woken up. And that is just further evidence, Kath, of the fact that if rather than just battling on with the exclusive breastfeeding... 50 like, minutes on the breast, not, yeah, on, not that, on. That's, yeah. that's not okay. Yeah. If, if you do it with the breast and then a little bit of formula, that can be a way to increase your breastfeeding. It increase does. Increase the duration of And this of your is where they have to understand that, that like someone like me, have, we've done... I've done this for a long time. It's all I've done since I was 18. And we used to give every baby a bottle of formula overnight so the mum could sleep. Their milk came in by about day three. Then they breastfed. We didn't we didn't see mastitis like we see now. We didn't see low birth weights like we see now. We seriously had it right. But then it just went, everyone went crazy on breast milk. I think it is It is worth saying that actually that I, I feel as someone who is an activist in this area the tide is just ever so slightly starting to turn. So the Australian Medical Association, their most recent statement on breastfeeding uh, actually acknowledged for the first time that some women are unable to or choose not to breastfeed and they need just as much support and information as women who are breastfeeding. And that was a massive thing for doctors to actually say, we know that there are people out there for whom breastfeeding isn't working or they don't want to do it. And they deserve, they have a right to information. That was a big thing. There's been a, there's been a lot of um, recent websites which have come on. One is called Fed is Best, which is really becoming active, yep. active in this area, which is to, you know, the idea that breast or bottle doesn't or, or matter. both, doesn't matter. The, what needs to happen is the baby needs to be fed. I call, brittle, I call it brittle feeding or brothel feeding, and like it's both. And there Doesn't are matter. and there are uh, there are some great resources for for support out there as well. If you are um, feeling guilty because you weren't able to breastfeed as you wanted to, or if you chose not to breastfeed and you're still feeling guilty, which <laughs> it always happens, um, then there just look on the internet. There's some really great places for support out there. And that goes back to what you and Madeline have both actually been saying this whole time, which is, you know, do what you feel is best and know the signs of your baby. Get to know that child. Yeah, you know? and learn your words. And it's okay if you fully breastfeed and it's okay if your baby needs formula. You can, when you're in hospital, sometimes 
the mums will say to me, I've heard babies screaming all night, like mm. all night. It's, and when, you, when they're isolated in hospital rooms like they are now, they're not in co-existing in um, shared wards, which were great, but they had their you know, pros and cons. But um, they're isolated and they're so afraid and, you know, so anxious and they're crying. It's really hard. It's heartbreaking. Feed your baby. Feed your baby. Ladies, it has been an, an absolute pleasure. It's been a really informative conversation. I think we've covered a lot of information. Is there any last words for listeners? Uh, look, I would. it is a lot of information. Yeah. Um, and again, if you want further information about why your baby can be happy, healthy and smart, if you uh, formula feed her or mix feed her, then just go to guiltfreebodyfeeding.com and you can get the book as an e-book or as a, uh, or as a hard copy. Um, there's huge amounts of information there about the practical stuff as well, how to choose a formula how to prepare a bottle um, and you know you're not alone you mm. are not alone you're no. in good company and go to the internet talk to your friends um, and there is there is a wealth of support out there unfortunately not nearly as much as we need but it is there and you can access it and with midwives like Kath uh, find someone like her who is going to support you on your journey and help you with what you want and it, there's no shame about bottle feeding a baby you know it's a lot of people are having multiple births these days they can't keep up with breastfeeding twins women working you know they we're going back to work early it's fabulous women need to do that and we actually do it everything well we parent well we work well we do everything well and you still can breastfeed and go to work but you still will need to provide some formula for your baby happy mum happy baby everything look after the mums this has been Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin. Birth, Baby and Beyond is recorded in the studios of Podcast One Melbourne, Australia. Executive producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Darcy Thompson and music by Matt Nikolic. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app. A Podcast One production.